invite you to take your Bibles and turn together now to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Just saying about princes conspiring against God's people, God's servants, and we're going to read a story about that. We know that uh, princes conspired against the Lord Jesus Christ as well as he sought to live by God's word. This is a familiar story. Uh, Kids, most of you will likely know this story and uh, probably enjoy it. I'm not going to um, look at all of the different parts of this story this morning. Our focus, rather, is going to be on just a small part of Daniel chapter 6. Verse 10 is what we're going to hone in on. Um, But I am going to read the entire chapter for us um, as we seek to learn from God's word together this morning. So please give your attention now to the word of God Uh, Daniel chapter 6, I'll begin at verse 1 and read down through the whole chapter. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plead before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? 
The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law, that, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded... And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they, they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. That's where we'll end the reading of God's word. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, you are the living God enduring forever your kingdom shall never be destroyed you are the god who delivers and rescues 
And as we hear about this rescue that you performed for Daniel, this man of faith, we pray that you would enable us to hear your word. Lord, as we have just sung in Psalm 119, we ask that you would open our eyes so that we might know your word. Lord, we pray that we would desire to know you. Lord, we pray that your testimonies would be our joy. And as we have this opportunity to hear your word together, Lord, we ask that you would enable us to receive it with faith, lay it up in our hearts, and live it out in our lives to your praise and honor and glory. Lord, give us eyes especially to see the Lord Jesus Christ and to lay hold of him by faith. For we pray this all in his name. Amen. Daniel in the lion's den. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Story of courage, faith, survival, a story of reversals, prayer, story of God's miraculous answer and God's miraculous power, his ability to save, to intervene, to stop even the mouths of ferocious lions, and ultimately his triumph over the power and schemes of wicked men, uh, the power of his kingdom. But today, as I've already mentioned, I want to zoom in on a seemingly minor detail in this well-known story. I want to look closely together at verse 10 and not consider so much Daniel's prayer, but a small yet significant part of his prayer. It's really just three words here in verse 10. And gave thanks. And gave thanks. Look again at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This really is no minor detail. Uh, It's a major detail in this story. It reveals the very heart of this man, this man of faith, a man of thankfulness, a man who lived his life with such a conscious and continual awareness of the reality of his God, the goodness and care of God, so that even in a time of crisis, When faced with losing everything, he gets on his knees before God, and he gives thanks to God. Here's a man in a distant time, in a distant land, long before Christ came, who has earthly reasons to be quite worried, uh, to wonder and to question God, and to wonder about the circumstances, to even despair. But instead, he calls upon God and he gives thanks to God. He had learned to live, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and following, before it had been written, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Daniel also foreshadows for us the faithfulness and even the thankfulness that we see in Jesus Christ who faced Similar and yet far worse trials and circumstances 
and men conspiring against him. But why was Daniel thankful? How could he be thankful at such a time? And what can we learn from this work of God in his heart at this time of his life? That's what I want us to consider today from this exciting and uh, encouraging and well-known story. Daniel was a man of faith and prayer and thanksgiving as Jesus was. And in Jesus, in Christ, you can and you must be as well. And so let's look at Daniel as a picture of Jesus and as an example and an encouragement in faith to give thanks to God. To give thanks to God in all circumstances. To give thanks to Him at all times. And that's what we want to see together in our passage before us today. Well, to consider Daniel's thanks and learn from that, I want you to notice, first of all, that this was private thanks. Private thanks or personal thanks. Look again with me at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. First thing I want you to notice here in our text about this thankfulness that we see in Daniel is that he is all alone. No one's watching, or at least so he thought. This is not prayer, not thanks to be noticed by men. It's not in public, it's in private, it's in his own home. One-on-one with God. It's the close fellowship of a man before his God when no one else is around. This was personal communion with God. Private thanks to God. You've all probably experienced times when you've gone around with others and expressed praise and thanks to God. Maybe even in this last week you've done something like that. And those can be edifying experiences. But it can be somewhat easier to express thanks to God when everyone else is doing it and when it's expected. But would we be thankful, are we thankful, when no one else is there? Would we thank God, do we thank God, when only He hears? True thankfulness flows from the heart and is expressed even when no one else is around. It comes face to face with God and thanks Him. Most people encourage some concept of thankfulness, although not necessarily, usually often not towards God. But thankfulness is generally seen as a positive thing. Not a lot of people protest having a day off each year, having a Thanksgiving day. But how many know such intimate daily, heartfelt thanks as we see here in the life of Daniel. We can and we should say that we're thankful before men. It can be easy to go through the motions, though, and and give thanks at church, give thanks at this time of year, give thanks when we are surrounded by others. But are we thankful when we are all alone before God? All alone with God. Does He hear thanks from us privately 
Does God hear thanks from you often? Does He hear thanks from you as an individual ever? Just from you. From your very heart. Do you get on your knees before God and give Him thanks? Now Daniel, as we read, was a very successful public figure. The king wants to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. Verses 3 through 5 tell us that he had an excellent spirit. He was trustworthy. He was above reproach. And he was faithful. But behind the public figure, the public faithfulness and, and success of this man was a fervent, private faith was real communion with his God. And rarely do people rise above in public who they are in private. And in private, Daniel was a man of faith. And that faith expressed itself in regular thanks and praise to God. And this was one of the keys to his public effectiveness and faithfulness by God's grace. What about you? Do you give thanks to God? Do you have a real personal relationship with Him? Private communion and relationship with God. Does He hear you praising Him? Does He hear you thanking Him? Daniel was much like Jesus, who would often withdraw and pray in private as we read the Gospels. And undoubtedly, often when Jesus would pray, he would thank his Father in private. He tells us to go into our room and shut the door and pray to our Father in secret. Friends, if you are to give thanks at all times, as Daniel did, and as Jesus did, and as the Scriptures call you to, you need to learn to give thanks in private. You need to thank God when you're all alone before him. You need to cultivate this close fellowship with him. Well, the second thing I want you to notice about Daniel's thanks this morning is that it was perpetual. Perpetual thanks. Look again with me at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and, give, and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Ignoring the new law, ignoring the very serious threat that Daniel no doubt knew about and knew was aimed at him, Daniel is resolute and he carries on with life as usual. And usual for Daniel meant Daily prayer. Daily prayer on his knees facing Jerusalem three times a day. This was his pattern. This was his practice. And this was nothing new for him. The end of verse 10 makes clear, um, as he had done previously. This wasn't a man in crisis realizing, man, I've got to pray about this. And praying as a last resort. But this was a man turning again to his God in a regular rhythm that he had learned and practiced over a lifetime. You may not realize it, but Daniel is actually an older man 
uh, by now. At this point in the story, he's likely in his 70s. But he is pressing on. He is finishing strong with perpetual prayer and thanks, as he had always done. And this new law, this new threat that meant his reputation and career and very life was in danger, doesn't throw him off from his old pattern. And because of his discipline that God had worked in him by his grace, because of his faithfulness and flawless record that his rivals noticed, they knew they couldn't catch him in any fault. And that ought to remind us of Jesus Christ. His enemies could find no fault in him, no real accusation or fault. Daniel was so predictable in his devotion to his God and to God's law that they had to bring him down there. They had to attack him at that point. He was a devoted man of prayer, praying and thanking God daily. And so they would use that against him. And they craft this law to catch Daniel in this very thing that he did every day. But Daniel is not going to let the jealous schemes of man cause him to stumble or quit his pattern. He won't let the law of man overrule the law of God or quench his thanks to God. His God was the real God. His God was the true and living God, and he needed to commune with him. He needed his strength daily. And this God was worthy of perpetual praise and thanks in a regular way, as was his practice. And so up he went to his chamber. He got on his knees and he prayed three times a day. Why was he on his knees? Well, he knelt to express a posture of humility and reverence, to remind him of the glory and greatness of God. It's a, it's a posture of submission and need. And he opens the windows and faces Jerusalem, not because he wanted to be seen, not because of some superstition, but to lift his heart and his thoughts to the God of heaven, the God of Israel, to remind himself that he really belonged there. He belonged to the Lord, not to Babylon or to Persia. It was also out of obedience to what God had said through Solomon at the dedication of the temple, that if they were in exile, they should pray to God towards Jerusalem, not forgetting him, not forgetting his promises and their relationship with him. And so each day facing Jerusalem, he prays and he thanks God three times. Not because this was required of him, not because he was a legalist trusting in his piety and his practice and his outward righteousness, but because he wanted to. He, he loved his God because it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Because he'd found it to be a pattern that kept him close to the Lord, that kept him humbled and encouraged and helped him to live a life of faith and thankfulness, especially surrounded by a pagan culture and much power. People are, people are often averse to such discipline and rhythm and rigor in the Christian life. And we'll say it's more godly, it's more loving to be spontaneous. There's nothing wrong with spontaneity, but spontaneity often means sparsity. Daniel knew his weakness. 
He knew his wandering heart. And he knew the greatness of his God. And he chose to regularly, perpetually go before him in prayer. Giving him praise and thanks. Uh, he had found a way to practice First Thessalonians 5.16 and following. Or, or Philippians 4. Rejoice always. Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Perhaps he knew Psalm 55, verse 17, which speaks about prayer in the morning, in the evening, and at noon. Perhaps he'd learned that the regular, that giving thanks regularly was a way of overcoming temptation and sin, a way to combat pride in his own heart and worry and doubt. Anger, self-pity. Well, it's clear that thankfulness was not just an, an annual thing for Daniel. It wasn't an occasional thing. It wasn't a self-righteous outward ex exercise. This was a habit of grace, a perpetual godly discipline in his life, a pattern of devotion to his God, a living relationship with his God. And an attitude cultivated through many years. And it's something that you and I should seek to cultivate as well in our own lives by God's grace and by His Spirit. Do you have a pattern of regular prayer? Regular thanks to God? Do you give thanks often to God? Daily? Would even your enemies know this to be an important part of your life because of your faith and your love for God. Well, Daniel gave, gave thanks in private. He gave thanks regularly and daily. And then I want you to notice third this morning how this thanks was peculiar. Let's consider how this was peculiar. Thanks. Look again at verse 9 and following. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Daniel was facing the death penalty. His very prayer, and he knew this, his very prayer could get him killed. Not just killed, but killed in the most terrifying way. And yet he walks right into it. And his prayer is peculiar because of that. But it's even more peculiar and, and puzzling because of his thanks. I think we can understand him praying under these circumstances, although we might think, Daniel, why, why would you not do it in secret? We can understand the prayer, but giving thanks? For what? The threat of death by lions? This persecution by jealous men, his peers? There is something very peculiar about Daniel giving thanks here. Why was he? How could he? Now, certainly Daniel had much to be thankful for in his 
life. He was, by God's grace and God's providence, one of the most powerful men in the world. Uh, God had helped him succeed and to be faithful. He could be thankful for his salvation from his sins. Thankful for the coming Messiah. Thankful for daily bread. Thankful for the promises of God. But his thankfulness at this point is very striking. He knows this may be his last prayer. He knows that he very well could be caught and reported. But it doesn't stop him from prayer. It doesn't stop him from giving thanks at all times and under every circumstance. And we may wonder why he didn't just pray in secret or pray in his heart this time or or just wait out the 30 days or decide he could have a greater impact if he survived this terrible time in this law how many of us how many of our churches would notice or really be all that thrown off by a 30-day ban on prayer is prayer is thanks that important to us that we would sooner go to the lions than miss an opportunity to thank god what explains daniel's courage his commitment his thankfulness under these circumstances. I want us to understand that it wasn't that Daniel was just some spiritual giant, some Bible hero that we all have to look up to, and and this is really out of reach for the rest of us. The key, brothers and sisters, is Daniel's God and Daniel's faith in his God. It's found here. We see it in verse 23. After he's been delivered, then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Trust. It's it's Daniel's faith in his God. Hebrews 11 verse 33 echoes this. It says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Through faith. Daniel prays. Daniel gives thanks Because Daniel believed in God. Daniel was trusting in God. Daniel's faith was fixed in God. And that faith drove him to prayer. It enabled him to trust in God under these circumstances. It gave him reason for thanks, even the face of death. Daniel believed that God was sovereign. He was the living, all-powerful God, as Darius actually confesses here at the end. And so this trial, this very real threat, was God's will. It was under His control. And God could bring Him through it if He wanted. And so He could be at peace. He could give thanks. He could give thanks for God's plan and God's power. 
his care, his purpose, even without knowing exactly what that might be. And brothers and sisters, you and I trust in the same God. This faith is not out of reach. Uh, this is our faith. This is our God. And the parallels with the life of Christ are striking. The, the shadows of Christ here are very striking. Jesus' life was sought by those who could find no fault in him. He was sentenced to death, not for breaking God's law. His tomb was sealed as the lion's den was. He conquered death even as death is conquered and averted by God here for Daniel. Daniel emerges from this would-be tomb victorious like Christ came forth from the grave. But consider some of the last moments of Jesus' life. He spent them like Daniel in prayer. And he too even gives thanks as he faces death. Listen to Mark 14, verse 22 and following. As they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. They all drank of it and he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Jesus is looking at death in the eye. The shedding of his own blood on the cross as he lifts that cup. A most terrifying death of an innocent. And yet he stops and he gives thanks to God. How could he? Knowing what's coming, knowing the cursed death of a sinner, knowing that God's back would be turned to him. And yet he's able and he's willing. He wants to thank God. He's not just going through the motions. He's actually offering heartfelt thanks, similar to Daniel. And yet his is even more peculiar and astonishing. Because he's the Son of God. On the eve of something far worse than facing a den of lions. He's offering thanks even as he prepares to offer his own life. But Jesus can give thanks because he knows his Father. He knows that he's sovereign. He knows his plan. He knows his goodness. He knows the gospel. He knows what his death will accomplish. That shed blood would secure salvation. The salvation of many. And so he gives thanks in all circumstances. In the most pivotal and trying circumstances. The most glorious circumstances of all history. And brothers and sisters, because of his shed blood. Because Daniel's God is your God. If you are trusting in Christ this morning. Because his dominion is everlasting. Because he's living and good and gracious. You too can give thanks in any and every circumstance. Every day. Nothing can separate you from his love. 
from His grace. Nothing can cause His plan to change. Not a bad day. Not something unexpected. Not great pain or loss. Sickness. No trial. No king. No den of lions. No schemes of the wicked. Or Satan himself. Not even death can take this away. Can take away the grace and goodness of God. It can't take away reason upon reason to thank him. How could Daniel give thanks? How can you and I be people of sincere, regular, and even peculiar thanks at all times? A people of faith. It's because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's because Jesus saves. It's because what He gives can never be taken away. The God of Daniel is your God. And He is good. And He is gracious. And He gives us undeserved blessings. Sinners. At every moment of every day. And in eternity to come. He is worthy of praise and thanks. He is glorified in the thanks of His people. And so people of God, be encouraged. Be reminded Be challenged this morning by the private, perpetual, and even peculiar thanks of Daniel to cultivate such a life of faith and thanks yourselves through the grace of God, because of the grace of God, by faith in Christ who himself was a man of faith and thankfulness. Give thanks daily before your God. And even in the face of great trials as Daniel, you'll have reason, you'll have desire to give thanks to him. People of God, give thanks to your God at all times. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess that we are often unlike Daniel and unlike Christ. And we take our eyes off of you and put them on our circumstances and our difficulties. And we grumble and we complain rather than giving thanks. And so we ask that you would have mercy on us and forgive us. We praise you and thank you for the perfect life of Christ that is our own, that is imputed to us. We thank you that he took our punishment, that he was willing to shed his blood And that he even gave thanks before doing so. So that we who are so often an unthankful people, an untrusting people, might be covered by his righteousness and his blood. So that we might have reason to thank you and praise you forever. So Lord, we ask that you would make us a people of faith. We we ask that you'd help us to keep our eyes on Christ. Lord, give us patterns of praise and thanks in our own lives. Lord, we don't know what one day will hold. We pray that you would help us to walk by faith each day, giving thanks to you each day. And Lord, we do thank you for who you are and for what you have done for us. Lord, we pray that you would make us a thankful people. 
We thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ to live and die and rise again for us to now ascend and be seated at your right hand. We thank you that he is coming again and that he will make all things new. We thank you that nothing can separate us from his love. We pray, Lord, that you would press these truths and these realities into our hearts and that we might live by faith with our eyes fixed on him abounding with thanks as your people. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.